Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, what's up? It's Jules here for What Culture Gaming on the podcast on the gaming channel. Joined today by Benjamin. Good afternoon. And Rachel Shackleton. <laughs> Hello, guys. And the reason that we've gathered here today in this very, very chilly office is because we <laughs> want to talk about boss battles. Now, I think that we all have experienced some fantastic boss battles in gaming, you know, like Revolver Ocelot or Dr. Robotnik from Sonic or Dark Souls in general, I know would be your pick, Rachel. Well. <laughs> but what we're going to do today is basically try to dissect why boss battles in video game are such a prevalent thing where they came from, where they're going in the future. And to be honest, is it a relevant thing in this day and age? I mean, just to kick things off, what are sort of some memorable boss battles that you can think of? Well, you mentioned Revolver Ocelot in your Mm -hmm. intro there, and I think the one that sticks out to most people of my uh, ripening generation is... Ripening? (laughs) Ripening, yes. (laughs) And also, you just mentioned it's cool, by the way. I'm still peeling from the sunshine, so I, I'm happy of, happy of this coolness. But yeah, back on the bosses, it's uh, Psychomantis from Metal Gear Solid. Um, it was one of the, I think, probably the most subversive bosses around when it, mm. like when that game first came out. You know, the whole situation where you, even just the, the, pre, like the preemptive stuff in the boss where he reads your memory card mm, mm. to simulate reading your mind, and when the, the way you beat him is to switch of controllers, yep. so you can no longer do that. It's, it's, that's some fantastic outside-the-box thinking, and that's actually an example of how boss design is often being used to be yep. particularly innovative. I guess that it comes down to a point of, like, you've got to define what a bot it, bots is, but uh, we will do go into that more after Rachel tells us what her sort of, like, favourite boss battle <laughs> um, is. I'd like to spotlight one that's much more recently, and that would be uh, Ishin the Sword Saint from Sekiro. Oh, man. Now, that was the boss. You can get in the bin. Like, to end all bosses for me. Yeah, there was ups, there was downs, and there was eventual victory, and that was what made that boss so special, was that it was so difficult. It's interesting, because you two have highlighted two very distinctive parts of a boss battle which is one that's subverting expectations and one that is basically presenting a challenge through which the player overcomes. Mm. Now, those are both staple tropes of a boss battle. And I think that if we were to define what a boss battle is in video games, you'd probably say that a boss has to have uh, more health than an average grunt or or even the player themselves can usually do massive one-hit KOs. Like, I mean, this is, again, this isn't like a definitive rule set, but just... Maybe it it takes more than one person to kill. Yes, things like that. And then it will have multiple forms is another one Mm -hmm. as well. I think also, crucially, it has to feel like a struggle. Has to feel like a struggle, yeah. It's, It's also... 
interesting. I think what it used to be designed as a choke point mm. more than anything. If mm. we look at the origins of the term boss, I think I, I don't think it's possible to like precisely put your finger on when that term became common. Mm. But I think it dates back to Gallagher in 1983, mm. where there was literally an enemy called Boss Gallagher. Now, oh, right, okay. Boss Gallagher, you know, a colleague of ours. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the whole point in Gallagher is to take your money. So you put one very tough enemy there that suddenly demands more quarters. Yeah. And that was the prevailing logic with bosses, even going into the early consoles, which is less so the case today, but a lot of the principles that define that have persisted as a consequence. Yeah, I mean, the, the arcade days, obviously the burgeoning point of where boss battles would come in. There was a game called D&D, which was released in 1975. And that's where most people say that the original boss battle, not necessarily the terminology, yeah. but where the boss battle came from. Because uh, in that game, you were an adventurer, you were going through a dungeon, and at the very end, you'd fight a dragon, uh, hence the D&D, because I mean dungeons and or, and or dragons, <laughs> and uh, you got an orb for beating it. And the developer said that in an interview, he wanted to place importance on that orb. He, mm. saw, he thought that if you just were to go through the dungeon and you just got the orb, it wouldn't mean as much because while the trial and the journey of getting there would be potentially a bit difficult, there was nothing... Uh, to, to basically act as a final test. So he created the dragon, and as soon as he did that, he realized that the orb suddenly had value yep. because it was protected, because it was being held at arm's length from the player, and you would need to have a certain skill set in order to get it. What he did effectively in that time was translate the power of points that you would say in like Pac-Man, which doesn't have a, a boss battle, it's just how far can you go, or uh, maybe Donkey Kong at a push, because I mean, Donkey Kong technically is a boss, but you never yeah. actually fight him in a one-on-one -on -one sort of scenario. He turned that to the power that a boss can give to something else. Absolutely. And it's really interesting how that, that shift was almost inconsequential at the time, but has influenced so many important boss battles now, because how many times have you guys come up to a boss in a game and been like, well, it's not necessarily that I dislike you or anything about you. It's just you're stopping me from getting to what I want. Like, Yeah. I mean, like in um, Borderlands, for example, you've got um, characters that literally just stand in the way as, like, <laughs> as checkpoints, as uh, Part, uh, blocks to your path of progress and you're just like yeah but I kind of want to just kill you to get some guns I just want to get I want to get more loot like you know it's nothing personal mate but just lie down for a bit and take a quick nap you know <laughs> for example like in Zelda how to progress like through a dungeon you mm. often need an item that you get from killing the mini boss halfway through I oh. often I often mm. save him as an exam of mm -hmm. all the things you've learned <laughs> at that point it's effectively yeah. everything else is revision and then right Easy you exam. Have you revised enough? If you do, if you have, then great. You get your grade. You get your 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 job. Whatever. But I mean, um, Legend of Zelda is a perfect example of that because, like you say, the dungeons are themed around the item that you need to kill the boss with. Yeah. And so, therefore, it combines your idea of the exam with the idea of well, just great level yeah, design. And so, more often than not, the um, the bosses in Zelda, not so much in Link to the Past, but from Ocarina of Time onwards, ask the player to like have you mastered this item yet because this is how you're going to need to use it going forward and this like that's how you have to kill the boss in this situation yeah it's interesting because you go into sort of um video game design choices then i mean how do you tell the player 
how to beat your boss. That's that's it's the concept of a fair fight because mm-hmm. a lot of times, like especially in fighting games, there are a lot <laughs> of cheap bosses out there, and that harkens back to the idea that you were saying at the arcade days, where they just wanted your money. They would make a purposefully cheap boss with a million health points and tons of all, all these things, not to necessarily test the player, just because they were like, well, you've got some cash to spend, so why not do that? Um, the way bosses used to operate is what I, I always refer to as Castlevania bosses, which were mm. completely attritional. It was based on, can you outlast them? Can you kill them before they kill you? Often you couldn't avoid the attacks. You were... Uh, just had to batter them really, until kind of like Mega fell. Man as well. Very similar Mega yeah, Man bosses, yeah. although like Mega Man actually does have a obviously as a rock paper scissors thing, mm. but that's based on the order of the uh, Robert Masters that you're fighting. Mm-hmm. You don't know that in advance, so there's a, a, a huge element of um, trial and error. But gradually, as games evolved, we get bosses which now sort of give little clues about the attacks mm. we're going to use. They're, they're I love operating. that. I love yeah. a boss fight to be as much of a, an a action as a puzzle. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. I love a good puzzle boss. You the, see them a lot in Souls and I'm surprised I'm not talking about Souls like for a solid <laughs> 30 minutes here, but a lot of those bosses are um, I don't want to say cheap, but there's one in particular in Dark Souls 3 that you literally like you go up to him and he's massive and you immediately start hacking away and you do just like no damage. Mm. So you're then forced to think, right, I should be doing some damage here. You check your surroundings. You kind of think, right, what's that thing over there? You go pick it up. Surprise. It's a weapon that he is weak to. Yeah. Um, so well, stuff like that. Those are my favorite kind of bosses that that's, require. That's, that's one of the great conceits of excellent boss designs yeah. is where they present the assumption that you can come in and hit it and it'll hurt it and then it doesn't. And then you have to step back and think for a few and like actually pay attention. Yeah, and yeah. look at the design. Yeah. Like, for example, like if it's covered in lava you yeah. probably shouldn't it, use yeah. fire if it has a glowing spot anywhere about yeah. its person, oh yeah i mean we, we spot, <laughs> like, like that that Shit actually it in the eyeball. But, but it's interesting because we're now verging into the difference between good and bad boss design because i would argue that a good boss design is able to present its weakness to the player without it being so immediately yeah. obvious yeah. that it's like a glowing and, weak and, spot. I, and i think one of the issues we have now is that we're so used to the various tropes of boss design that we automatically yeah know what to look for yeah. like you say you oh. know an eye it's gonna be like oh, I'm gonna like well this. i mean the classic one is um any large enemy in a uh, sort of superhero action game it's going to charge you you're going to jump out the way it's going to hit you its head on the up. wall and <laughs> then you'll be able to beat it the, the amount of times that i've come up against that particular enemy um, yeah. i've never needed any help from the game to do it and as a result i've ended up resenting that boss battle is not something yeah. i've necessarily enjoyed another one for me bosses which use shock waves that you have to jump over oh, until yeah. it become tired and you run in for a few hits and yeah. back and that's every 3d platformer so we ever. all agree that like bosses that sort of subvert these tropes are quite often the best bosses i think so and i think obviously it's difficult to keep coming up with new yeah. ideas as like as games gone like there's only so many ideas out there yeah so it, maybe it's time the more subversive bosses going forward will be the ones that actually maybe do things wrong Oh, see, I thought of the most, the simplest thing, because I was playing Link's Awakening recently. Uh, The thing with Nintendo and a lot of, you know, sort of staple games is you hit the guy three times and he dies. It's always the rule of three. But there was this boss in Link's Awakening that I had to hit four or five times and it completely (laughs) threw me off. And I was just like, what are you doing, Nintendo? What? This is wrong. This is bad. Because you almost think you're doing it wrong. Um, Like it's meant to to be a quicker way. Yeah, I was thinking, right, what am I doing wrong here? Mm. But turns out you just have to hit it five times instead of three. Um, but that was good because that that had me on my toes. That had me thinking, oh, oh, sugar, like, is this right? Uh, and I love that. Just I love anything that does anything, anything differently. And that yeah. actually includes 
QuickTime bosses? I don't know how you feel about QuickTime bosses. Ooh, well, this is the thing. I can I can definitely list a notable bad example of a QuickTime boss, and that was um, Sauron at the end of the uh, Middle Earth game. I heard oh, about that. man, that was so disappointing. That is, oh, that's a big one. Like a final boss to be a QuickTime event, I don't like. But Rude. like a mini boss, it's just insulting. Rude, yes. <laughs> but um, actually, you, it's you, also, mm. just to interrupt you, Fed, um, it's, it's, annoying because you're anticipating that boss fight throughout the entire game totally yes. which actually comes back to another main point of bosses which is their placement within the story now a lot of people always assume that a boss is usually going to be the final boss or anything like that but if you've got a great boss what it actually becomes is a villain because a villain is something that haunts the player throughout the story and will actually make them more uh, incentivized to go and uh, carry on with the narrative to kill that villain or defeat them whereas bosses they can be standalone they can be just caveat yeah, sometimes, experiences sometimes just that, parachuted in and then yeah i mean the amount over. the amount of times that you've um, got a, a boss that's had no backstory whatsoever and it's just yeah. like okay i actually think this is one of the really interesting things Sega did with dr robotnik appearing at the mm-hmm. end of every single level now i never really understood why he didn't just use his very best egomatic at the start of <laughs> yeah, green hill yeah yeah, yeah. he saved he's it on the journey like you are well he's he is trying he, things that, it's, it's a really interesting parallel narrative where he learns from his mistakes <laughs> yeah, every time yeah. so, oh, God, that didn't oh, work. I'll go back and hammer away. harder. That's so yeah. good. <laughs> so, maybe, maybe I shouldn't put a giant weak spot on the top of its head, but I will make sure that all my, my robots have my face on them. I want people to know that it's Robotnik. Hey, you got to stick to your own guns, right? yeah. <laughs> the, very, the very last level of Sonic as well, he finally just says, I'm balls to this yeah. machine and just stands in a little chair and just tries to crush him. Because as we know, that's what hurts hedgehogs, but it's... Uh, that, and that actually applies in Mario as well. Yeah. So it's two games very similar. Well, I mean, um, Mario's got a great example in the form of the Koopa Kids. The uh, Koopa Kids yep. are effectively visual representations of Bowser, who we know is the main antagonist in most uh, Mario games. So therefore, seeing smaller versions of him actually instills in the player a memory of saying, oh, I am beating a smaller version of Bowser. Therefore, I'm learning and feel more confident to take on Bowser at the end. It's all about interesting visual design that I love about bosses because they can look completely separate to the other parts of the game. I mean, I'm trying to think of a, a good example where you'll just be walking along and it won't even fit the visual style. It will just pop up and you'll be like, oh man, that's crazy. Like um, um, Azura's Wrath. The style of uh, and size of these bosses is insane, but yet they don't sit alongside the main grunts. I mean, you've got one that literally punches through the earth at one point, and it's just like, how are you meant to go from that to then fighting small little grunty people? I, I don't know. It's it, it's strange how bosses are paced throughout <laughs> games sometimes. But. I think yeah, I think like we were saying before, they can be they can be anything they need to be mm. for the narrative as well. Quite often, in my opinion, the best, well, villains, I was going to say bosses, but you're right, they are villains. The best villains have backstories. Mm -hmm. You have time throughout the game to get to know them or hate them or whatever. Uh, so, So when that fight comes, you know, it means a whole lot more. A, a good one is um, Dark Souls 3. It instills in you that there's a um, the Lords of Cinder have uh, awoken but not linked the, the fire or whatever's going on with that. They... So the player knows from the off, I know which bosses, yeah, 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 who I'm going to be fighting, and there's a reason because I feel like the best bosses, in my opinion, are ones that have a reason to beat them. Absolutely, like, I, I will admit I, I enjoy optional super bosses and stuff like that because of the challenge they represent. But it's much better to beat something and narratively have a purpose. Yeah, to because it. The, as you say, the optional super bosses lack context. 
Mm-hmm. So it's just like you're doing it for the sake of doing it. But I think we mentioned Metal Gear Solid earlier. Again, that, it introduces all of its bosses very early on. You're thoroughly mm. aware of the people you're going to hunt down when you finally come face to face with them. It's really exciting. Mm. You've heard about them. Like they've gained a reputation in your own mind and you can't wait to like take them on. Yeah. Again with um, Mega Man. Um, you get to see who you're going yeah, up yeah, against, yeah. And, uh, and and the whole and the whole stage is completely themed around them as mm-hmm. well. <laughs> it's it sort of becomes a, a level less that is about the experience of getting to them and just about the boss fight itself. And I do think that if you have created a good boss fight, then it should be uh, memorable, stand outside of the uh, the main game, but work well within it. But that's not stopped some games from just doing away with all of those conventions. And as we've said before, subverting it in either the boss battle themselves or offering up a different type of challenge to the player. But sometimes in the controls in which you are actually battling them. A good example of a one that's integrated it well is Crash Bandicoot. So in that game, it's about (sighs) running and jumping and spinning over platforms, pits and traps. The controls stay the same throughout the game. The bosses ask you to use them in different ways, like uh, jumping over Papu Papu's stick or making Ripperoo blow himself up. But then there are games that completely derail your expectations of how you play the game and give you something like a turret section. Or they'll be like, oh, in this battle, uh, the gravity is completely gone, so you have to now fight him only when he's touching this panel and stuff. And it's like the rules will be completely changed. Yeah. Is that kind of like Metroid Prime-y kind of Similar, yeah. style? Yeah. I think a, a really great example would be Mario 64. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because the whole game... You jump in on things, and it's all—it's about platforming. And then suddenly, the boss is about grabbing him and swinging. Yeah. him. that's the mm-hmm. only time you really do that in the game. And it's—I mean, admittedly, it was just to show off the analog yes. six capabilities, <laughs> but like, it, it is such a different challenge and more memorable for it. Very, very totally. true. Yeah, yeah, everyone knows the so long about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way he flies off into the sunset. I remember, remember the the constant, just ongoing debate about what Mario actually said when he let go of Bowser. <laughs> Yeah, because it kind of sounds like gay Bowser, doesn't it? it Is that what he's saying? Dear dear Bowser, so long, dear Bowser. It's It's a long day, Bowser. (laughs) It's a long day, Bowser. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Then you've got got games like um, Shadow of the Colossus, which they... Uh, Yeah. These are games which have made boss fights a genre in in themselves. Yeah. I mean, that's that's incorporating a boss into the level. Cuphead. Yep, Cuphead Cuphead is 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 a great example of a boss rush game, which is another popular thing, because... People are starting to separate the experience of um, uh, the boss having to mean anything in terms of the story and just saying, right, as long as it's a fun challenge and yeah. I know how to beat it or it's a, it's a fair challenge. But then at least in Cuphead, you know at some point you're going to come up against the devil. Yeah. So you have these bosses who you're like, obviously you're doing the devil's work. Um, beating these bosses are all so different and so wonderful because that they don't need to mean much to the story. They're free to just be really creative. But then you know the whole time, I'm going to fight the devil yeah. at the end. So you have that villain like waiting for you as well. Well, it's interesting that in that game that they uh, added in the run and gun levels when they originally weren't part of the design choice at all. I think it was Microsoft who just said like, you're going to need to have some platforming bits in this because I don't, we don't think that a boss rush game will sell. Uh-huh. And that, and that, how that, wrong they were. Yeah, like, it goes down to the idea that bosses are a supplemental part of games. Mm-hmm. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Even uh, even as much as they're a completely crucial part of most of the experiences. They are crucial. I can't really imagine an action game, action RPG game can't really imagine many games enjoying many games anyway obviously there's like sports games and stuff like that that don't have bosses and racing games etc um, diddy kong racing oh yes oh man rare <laughs> got a lot of criticism for banjo for its lack of bosses so i thought right we'll put bosses in every single game from now on no matter what type of game it is <laughs> they put it in they had Whizpig, didn't they Whizpig, yeah. Yeah. Whizpig hate, was hard i man. hated Whizpig. He cheated he cheated yeah. such a cheater but i guess the question comes now is that do video games need bosses yes uh, well the games that i like do mm. I like, uh, I love the design options. I love loving slash hating a villain. I love the overcoming the challenge. For me, mm-hmm. the best games have good bosses. I guess it, it, it does work, uh, depend on the genre. I mean, you wouldn't have a boss in Journey. Journey feels like Journey no. feels like if they did put a boss into the end of that, it would A, be completely at odds with the game itself for the other hours that you've been playing it, and also kind of make it into a competitive thing rather yeah, than, no. a, rather make than it an emotional a, experience. It'd make it a game rather than an experience. <laughs> yeah, but there are a lot of games that are now just experiences, and it does call into question if a game is clever enough, do they need boss battles? Because are we relying on it as a crutch for basically when they feel like they can't get a player hooked? Because if we go back to the, um, just very quickly, the idea of overcoming a boss's challenge, what that does is it sets the player up, it tests their skill, and they take that emotional high that they get for beating something, and they carry it forward into the rest of the story. Is that lazy programming? Is that bad? Like, you know. Now that you mention it, because it's all about the reward at the end. Mm. So for me, for example, it's, well, overcoming challenge is my current high. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, but you can have this really, really great story game that doesn't need boss battles because, like, for example, The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a boss battle at the end. That has a really, like, yeah. strange ending where the payoff is the story. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so you could easily have the payoff be like this massive narrative thing that that does feel satisfying or in that case, maybe a bit annoying yeah. um, without needing this epic battle for sure. Well, um, uh, for me, it's my, my favorite franchise that's ever been made. Oh is, God, here it comes. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just Bioshock. Like I love Bioshock. I love what it's about. I love the uh, the atmosphere that it creates. And I, I'm really intrigued about the concept of how it interlinks with all the other different games. However, it is a series that cannot do boss battles. Yeah. I, I, I would say the weakest part of Bioshock Infinite was the boss battles. Why did they like... even bother with three? Like, did they yeah. not learn from one and two? They right. just weren't right. working. So th- that, that, it blows my mind. Why did they bother? Because they've got Fontaine. And he's like, gets the injection. Congratulations, Fontaine. You've got powers. Like, and it's just like, <laughs> and you're like, okay, that's fine. You look like a giant bronze statue. He's but I'm gonna so flush, out of place. But I'm going to flush you like a turd because you do not sit well with this. But, the, but Ken Levine was like, I didn't even want to make this a shooter to begin with. I wanted to make it like a sort of atmospheric explorer, almost a point-and-click adventure, like a like a puzzle-solving game. And you can tell that that was a bit that was added in just to be like, oh, God, it's a game that shoots stuff. You need to have a boss, I think. You had the exact same problem with... um Sex Human Revolution. Oh, that where was the bosses. Just felt like I think actually they might have even been developed by a different they studio. Were. They were. They were. Ah. Developed by the studio. And which, they were, they which, which to me in. is the publisher saying, "Look, people expect bosses. Yeah, you need bosses in your game." See, I feel really ignorant now for saying, <laughs> "Oh, a good game needs a good no, boss no, 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 for no, no, me," no, no, because no, it no, doesn't. Because, no, because some games, some I argue, games absolutely do. do yeah, yeah, like and, and players do enjoy them. To yeah. this day, like people love bosses. A lot of the most memorable moments that you can name in games are bosses. Yeah. For example, two games that I can think of because I really enjoy a good platformer as well in a Metroidvania is that I really loved playing through Ori in the Blind Forest mm-hmm. and I have been uh, playing through Hollow Knight. Now, those are now, two very similar games. Hollow Knight, obviously, very, having very different approaches to bosses. Bosses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ori doesn't really but, have but bosses. What I'd say is Ori has is not traditional bosses per se but yeah. sort of boss sequences but mm-hmm. you don't think of them as no bosses, you don't where no. they're just for like elaborate set pieces that test your platforming abilities like in a very difficult manner but they are effectively bosses within that I game suppose. i just kind of see Holo- sorry yeah, it's just the hollow knight <laughs> bosses are, are proper bosses and yeah. very difficult ones as well like really yeah. you know like put put a barrier down between you and exploring further it's strange isn't it like I'm trying to think of a game where I could go into it and take the boss out and make it better as a result. And oh, definitely Bioshock. Definitely Bioshock. Um, I mean, get rid of that siren boss. <laughs> oh, that was awful as well. Uh, I mean, maybe you guys will have some ideas because because <laughs> if you have if you have a bad boss fight, it can actually act as a gameplay loop gameplay loop breaking event. The whole concept of a gameplay loop is you want to bring your um, player in, you want to offer them just enough reward, just enough for them to keep incentivized to keep going through the narrative, and then reset that cycle with something else like a boss. But problem is, is if you get a bad boss, if you get something that's so god-awful, broken, boring, <sighs> it can completely derail we, interest. We must have all experienced times when we've stopped playing a game because we could, we just simply could not get past a certain boss. Oh yeah, I mean Sekiro had me for days trying to get past, um, you've done all the bits now haven't you? Yeah, yeah, we Okay, Trying to get past Aldad in the other timeline and I was just like, I hate this now, I really hate this. And then when I finally beat him I was like, the satisfaction wasn't It's from- like, oh. Yeah, okay. the, well, the, sad, the, the satisfaction wasn't for me going like, yes, take that, you feathered bastard. It was more a case of like, 
oh, thank God, I never have to play that again. <laughs> like, and I was like, mm, that's not great, is it? Mm, it's That's just Sekiro for you, though. That is true. That is yeah, true. I think Sekiro's maybe a little different in that, but it's sort of his philosophy behind the game <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. to really wind people up to the point that they want to mm. die. I want to highlight uh, Kingdom Hearts 1. Uh, because yeah, I thought this much, would be coming. <laughs> yeah, every, pretty much every boss in Kingdom Hearts 1 is is it's flipping awful. <laughs> but, but, but they have great ideas behind them, though, oh, don't they? Like, like um, so... what, what's the guy from uh, Disney, the hunter? Clayton. Uh, Clayton. I oh, love... Right, right, awful boss battle. Really hated... They're all bad. Like, if there's something that would annoy players, it's about... it's. Oh, look, here's a giant other thing that's in there, <laughs> and it's invisible. Like, just get that out. I but the, the idea of it is great. The mm. most graciously obnoxious is Riku, because you have to watch this 10-minute cutscene every yeah. time oh. you lose yeah. to him. Yeah. I think my solution was to run around the hollow bastion area and level up to until I was 99. You did the grind? Yeah, about yeah. 10 oh hours God. worth. And then I just battered the but, but, but that's not fun. It's not fun at all, and that's not the solution. No, it's just, <laughs> you just got to get a good banjo. And which that's overpowered. <laughs> which, is, which is an argument for games that allow you to talk your way out of boss battles, which is why I like Fallout. I know you don't have a specific now, boss battle in that. Well, the original Fallout, the final boss, mm -hmm. you can talk your way out of it. You can convince him. Is that the oh, one yeah. he kills himself? Yeah. yeah. <gasps> See that? You can do that in Mass Effect as well. That's right. Yeah. Now, things like that, I feel like we need more of, because I'm not saying that I would prefer all the time to forego a great action spectacle but at the same time I do feel like there should be other solutions I mean Benji you were last year you were trying to play uh, only games that had no guns in uh, yeah and I've continued that this year I've sort of fell off the wagon a little bit recently because I was playing Tomb Raider and then I realised you know what she is shooting things <laughs> quite a lot <laughs> but do you think that you could play only games that don't have bosses in It'd be difficult, it but I think difficult. I could, yeah. I, the, the whole point of the no-guns thing was was not necessarily that I'm against violence. Or, well, I mean, I am against violence generally, yeah. but against guns per se. But, yeah. but more of a, I just find it very curious that games disproportionately solve their conflict mm. through firearms mm -hmm. and through killing. And, so, and, and what I found is, as I suspected, there's so many more experience out there where that's just not part of it whatsoever. Um, and very few of them had bosses... Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it is perfectly possible to enjoy games without them. But I also found myself maybe craving a different sort of experience from time to time. Yeah, I, I do think that if... Because um, what you're boiling a boss down to in some games is, is that there's the immediate challenge, here's the puzzle that you have to overcome. Would that puzzle element be as good if you just took out a figurehead of which you're actually destroying or offing? Like, th there, there has to be smarter game design out there that tells us that we don't need to just kill something to get gratification. In fact, have you guys ever played a video game called uh, No More Heroes? Yes. I've heard of it, I haven't played it, no. Now, No More Heroes had a brilliant take on the concept of violence and gratification. And basically what it said is that you will do these amazing boss battles. They're going to be so cool. But in order to get there, you're going to work menial day jobs. You're going <laughs> to grind and kill loads of it. And the gameplay will be absolute trite in order to make you appreciate what you're doing. But that you are locked in a cycle of desiring to kill people just so that you can get your end off. Yeah, it's... it's and, and I think... To charge up your sword, you literally you have to for way more. You have yeah. to do a do an unspeakable to it. Like it's <laughs> it, oh, it is a fantastic idea, and the best part is is that it was delivered in such a way that loads of people started complaining about. It. They were like, "Oh man, what do you mean I've got to like go and harvest uh, like fifty five coconuts before I can go into this <laughs> boss battle?" And the developer 
Suda, Suda 51. He then he then just comes up and just goes like, look guys, that's the point. <laughs> you're, also, you're, you're not meant you're meant to be questioning also, how much of an immoral person you are for wanting to kill people pe- this horrifically. People also criticized it for being gratuitous and its violence when again it was supposed to be like that's a satire yeah. of that sort that's, of gratuity. That's hilarious. I want to yeah. play it. it but, like, but, that's... <laughs> but that's using bosses in a traditional sense, but the message behind it is giving it more importance, I would argue. And it goes to show that you can... It, uh, we're not trying to make an argument for, to, to rip out boss battles. No, we're no. not trying to make an argument that boss battles need specific changing because you can only subvert tropes if there are tropes in place for you to stand out from the crowd. I think that what we're just saying is, as an art form, creating a boss is at once the easiest thing to do because you just slap something in there with a ton of HP, but it's also one of the hardest things to get right. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. That's It's fascinating, really. It's also one of the biggest challenges for developers to do something interesting with. And I look forward to seeing what we're doing. Especially yeah. in a game like a shooter, for example, if you're trying to make a realistic shooter, Call of Duty, for example. Mm-hmm. Ugh, you can't really have a realistic boss, oh, so, can you? No, not really. There's one game I mentioned on a pod previously. I, uh, not too many people have played called Zero Ranger, which is a bullet hell shooter up that's very satirical in a, sen- in a similar sense to Undertale. Okay. And like Undertale, it has bosses where you go through the game with, you see like literally millions and millions and millions of bullets constantly. Mm-hmm. But you can just completely like drop arms and not shoot a single bullet to get through the game. Really? There are even certain bosses that demand that you don't do that, or demand that you do that, which is a completely different take on the bullet hell simulation. See, I like that. I like it when they just go like, look, this is what you expect. We're going to completely do the exact opposite. Whilst presenting... A a situation which is the exact (laughs) thing that you are expecting. That's very, very cool. I like that. I might check that out, actually. It's, I believe it's on sale. It's only a couple of quid. So. Uh, Wish we were affiliates. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Get a bit of cash that way. But yeah, so those have been some interesting boss battles to close out. Let's just go. We did, at the beginning, we did like your favorite boss battles. What's the, what's the worst boss battles that you Ooh. guys have done? And we'll just do that and we'll close out. Can I go first? Yeah, of course. Um, so we mentioned halfway through the pod here on bosses that you got introduced to really early on and mm-hmm. you just couldn't wait to fight them. Um, for me, I play a lot of World of Warcraft. Right. So, uh, for example, um, even from the earliest adverts for um, Cataclysm, mm-hmm. you were seeing Deathwing. Deathwing's a big old dragon who destroyed the world. He really ripped up some stuff and killed some people. It was awful. And... Uh, the whole way through, so the way an expansion usually works is the big bad that's in the adverts. You have to kind of wait a co- you have to wait about a year to fight him. Yeah, there's little dungeons, little raids in the lead up to him. Dragon Soul finally comes out. Deathwing's the last boss, and it was terrible. Oh, it no. was terrible. Oh, no. You fight on his back. Uh, you pop some blisters on his back and oh, then you nice. fight him. He's this giant head. You fight his tentacles and his toenails. You clip his toenails. To kill him, people. It what? was terrible. Worst boss battles ever. That sounds that sounds pathetic. <laughs> Purely because of this anticipation to fight this dragon, and what we fought was some blisters and some toenails. Oh, great, what Benji. You? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what? The boss I'm going to mention. That it's just reminded me another one where you involves toes and toenails. What, what is it with toes? And it's the final boss of Donkey Kong 64. Oh, <laughs> it goes on for so yeah, long. Yeah, it is so long. I, I love Rare and I love their N64 games, but why have they decided to do a five-round boxing match to close out a platform yeah, game? Where at one point as Tiny Kong, you uh, you shrink down to Into a minuscule size, go into his little shoe, tickle his <laughs> toes, he falls over, and then you give him one. Like, I mean, it's actually really inventive. Oh, yeah, dig really wrong, creative, like, yeah. But every time you die, you have to go through the whole rigmarole 
I think there's another boss in that game, uh, which is really quite oh good fun God. in the castle. Yeah. Where you've got these Kremlins who put up these cardboard cutouts of King K. Rill. Right. And you have to blast into them, but some of them are fakes. So oh, you like right, just go okay. flying over and that's instant death. And it's like, oh, that'd be so annoying. It, it's very annoying. And then oh. they know exactly what they're doing as well. <laughs> really taking the mick. But it, it, I mean, it is fun, but frustrating. For me, it has to be, unfortunately, a Dark Souls boss. Well, one of the worst bosses I've ever had, and that's Better Chaos. I, I oh. like, right, no, 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 no. Because uh, to, before anyone jumps down my throat, like, uh, I, uh, I, in terms of a lore perspective, I genuinely think it's one of the best bosses in the game because I love the idea of having, like, it being, like, literally the bed of chaos, like, where everything started, how she tried to protect all the world, and then monsters came out, and she's developed this horrible, gnarly root now tree. Now she is a tree. Now she's a tree because she's literally embedded in all this internal war and strife. But the actual delivery is bad because any game that's got a collapsing floor is pretty bad because you have to own, you can only find out where the floor collapses by trial and error unless you've watched a guide. That should never be a thing because I feel like it should always be telegraphed where uh, where you can and cannot go. Or you could just watch your feet, you know, just yeah. watch your step. Uh, yeah, that's very true. Very, very true. <laughs> but then having her brush you off that very narrow platform with just one hit, it basically takes all of the lessons the game teaches you about being able to balance your uh, attack and defense, know when to strike when the time is right, and just throws it out the window because it just goes, you can't block against it, you can't see where this is coming unless you've already done it before, and there is a massive slog of a walk to get back to this unless you found the secret bond <laughs> fire that no one tells you about behind a hidden wall and and, and it's like okay <laughs> i i get what you are doing but you are also doing my nutting well that's that's quite subversive asking the player to be psychic yeah, <laughs> we, were, we were praising Psycho Mantis oh, for that. Oh, yes. true, true, true. <laughs> I think true. with games like Dark Souls, they relied on the community all talking to each other yeah. and leaving notes for each other. There's an online element of they want people to be like, there is a bonfire. It's a real old school mentality it towards is. it as well. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I've got to respect it. At the brush end yourself of the day. off and but I was give it another like, go. I was just infuriated <laughs> at the time. No, you, have, I get you. you have no idea how bad it was when I, uh, I dropped something like 30,000 souls just from falling off, and I was like, oh, I probably should have spent them. I'll go back and pick them up fell off again and yeah, I was still like toilet. and it's that that lovely noise of that doom I'm just like cool cool did you ever complete Cuphead I did yes so the, I don't know if you had trouble with the dice um, who doesn't play his cards right I have to say he cheats oh yeah you, know, you, yeah, go, yes, you, go, uh, you go through all those um, really king dice yeah, yeah luck, you go through isn't the, it it's luck yeah you have brilliant mini bosses mm -hmm. I think those mini bosses are some of the best in the game mm -hmm. like, visually and in terms of how you beat them and then suddenly sends all these Cards, but, but you, you have, have no idea you have where the no idea where they're going to be, and sometimes yeah. it's impossible. And um, I beat that with Rich on stream, and it was very, very good. We're looking forward to doing the DLC when that comes out in 2020. 2020, mm, yeah. bit of a delay on that. But anyway, that was the podcast on video game bosses. Let us know what you thought about it down in the comments section below, as well as any other boss battles that you loved, and maybe another boss that you absolutely despise. Because who knows, we might uh, siphon through this into a commented as edition on the sort of best and worst boss battles. But as always, I've been Jules. You can go follow me at RetroJ with Zero over on Twitter and I've been joined by Benjamin and you can follow him at BAR3Bud Sorry, what? It's, it's an obtuse Monkey Island reference BAR3Bud Amazing Yep And then <laughs> Oh, Guybrush And and Rach Shackleton you can follow her at uh, Don't Rage Quit because, you know we try not to <laughs> Then thank you so much for joining us guys and we hope to see you soon but until then Goodbye Bye Bye, Bye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.